my own. There I am. Hey, hallelujah. The equipment works. So good to see you in the Lord's house today. I'm thankful to see a few faces that I don't typically recognize visiting with us this morning. Welcome to Spirit Life Church. We're glad that you're here with us this morning. I hear that some are here from Florida. Where, where are Florida people? Is that true? Woo! All right. Welcome from Florida. And I know that we have at least one person from Indiana that's with us today. I don't know if you claim Indiana or not. You've been, yeah, it's your home. This, this lady is a special lady. She is the mother to Jared Cano, who sits up in the crow's nest every Sunday. Many of you may not even know he exists, but he's here every Sunday, and he runs our technology for us and uh, moved here uh, a while back now from Fresno, California, and has uh, been a part of our church uh, for, a long, for a couple of years now. I, you know, when people visit, people that I know, I always tell them if they're new to Louisville, I'll say, now look, we're glad to have you here. Uh, but I, in, in the interest of fairness, I want you to know there are a lot of other good Church of God congregations in Louisville. And if you want to visit around, I'd certainly understand that. Uh, but he just came in here from the first Sunday and basically said, I'm here. And so we're glad that he is here. And we're glad that mom is here to visit with him today. Would you give her a good welcome this morning? And I want to do something this morning that I failed to do last week and I should have done. And I don't talk about birthdays and anniversaries and all. You know, years ago we used to do that. We'd sing happy birthday to you and happy anniversary to you and do the penny march and all that. We don't do that anymore. But I think that there are times that you need to give special recognition to those who deserve it. And last Sunday morning, Ray and Hester Ayers celebrated 62 years of marriage together. Would you give them a good hand? Amen. That's something to be proud of. I just looked back and saw that Hester was clapping. She was, she was giving herself a hand for, for making it 62 years. Uh, just to be mean, I told her, I told both of them, I said, you know, I'm, I'm 62 years old. So the year that you got married was the year that I was born. That's a long time, folks. So I want you to know it can still be done. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining with us as we begin our Advent season, as we start marching through our, our end of the year towards Christmas time. And uh, this place looks a lot different today than it did last week, didn't it? This is absolutely gorgeous. And I want to say thank you to everyone who was involved with the team. Uh, I don't want to really start calling names because if I do that, uh, then I'll miss someone. But I do want to call one name out who just seems to be uh, just so talented in doing this kind of thing. And that's Miss Kaylin Fernandes. They're not here this morning, uh, but she kind of took the lead on it. And my goodness, what a, what a wonderful, wonderful job. This is just absolutely beautiful. I almost feel guilty for standing up here in the middle of it and, and, and make, making you look at me when you could just look at this all day long. This is gorgeous. And if she were here today, I would invite her to come decorate our house. 
it'd be all right with me. We, we do a little bit. The older we get, the less we do. How many of you can relate to that? You know, when, when you're young, you get these great big trees. I know people that put a tree in every room. But when you get our age, that just seems like foolishness. You come down to one tree in the house, and then the trees start getting smaller and smaller. And Donna said, she said, I'd like to have a skinny tree this year. So we, we found one on sale and got a skinny tree, but it's nine feet tall. But that's all we've got in the house. And I said, praise God. We started talking about the lights outside, and I said, no, nope, I'm, I'm not doing lights outside this year. I said, there ain't nobody here, and we're inside, so why would I put lights outside that I'm not even going to get to look at? You see, when you get older, you start thinking like that. You know, when you're young, it's like, what would the kids want? When you get my age, it's like, who cares what the kids want, right? Isn't that true? I heard a few that's trues. Awesome. Well, today we're going to begin a brand new series of messages that uh, it's simply entitled, God with us. Aren't you glad to know today that God is with us? You know, the psalmist said one time, he said, if it had not been for the Lord on my side. Man, I can relate to that, can't you? If it hadn't have been for the Lord, there have been many times that I would have said there is no hope whatsoever. Been many times, even as a Christian, that I've looked at my circumstances and I've thought there is no hope in this situation whatsoever. I've talked with people in the last few weeks that seemingly have lost hope. Seemingly that they've decided that God is not big enough or capable enough. But I want to remind you over the next few weeks that he is big enough. He is capable. He is well able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of God that works in us. He's a great big God, and he is mighty. Amen? So regardless of what you're hearing in the world today, regardless of what the news media is trying to say, regardless of the the terrible pictures that are being painted for us, I want you to know that Jesus is alive and well. And he is among us today. Aren't you glad for that? I'm certainly glad for that. So I want us to look at uh, various scriptures today. I'm not going to take a text at the beginning as I typically would. But if you want to keep your devices handy or your Bibles handy, we're going to jump around uh, to a few places. But we want to talk about uh, hope today and the fact that the very first candle that is lit in the Advent wreath is the candle of hope. It's a realization that we are all lost without God. The scripture says that there's nothing at all that we are able to do except he helps us to do it. With him, we can do nothing at all. But with him, all things are possible to those who will believe. Amen? So let's talk about this idea of Advent and the idea of hope. Now, the word Advent literally means to come. It also means to look forward to an event that you can anticipate. Now, for the Christian, that is twofold. The first thing that we look forward to is a Savior in Christ Jesus. He is able to save us from our sins. 
He is able to redeem our lives from the hand of the enemy. But then once we are saved, we have this expectation that Jesus didn't just come one time, but he's going to come a second time. So no matter what we're dealing with in our lives and no matter what our lives look like today, we can anticipate with hope the idea that Jesus is coming again. Amen. I don't know. It's easy to look around and see all that's going on in the world and say, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We are ready for you to come again. I don't know about you, but I am ready. So as we talk about this today, before we get into the message, I want us to pray, and I want us to just ask the Lord to open our eyes and show us what we need to see today that will bring hope and give us hope for our soul. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the joyful experience of gathering together with the, the people of God that have gathered in this house today. I am delighted, Lord, that you have saved us from our sins, that you have put our name in the Lamb's book of life, and that if you were to come today, Lord, that we would be able to spend eternity with you. Lord, as we move through this season of Advent, as we are looking forward to celebrating Christmas and the, the time that we have set aside to let people know that you have come into this world, Lord, I pray that you will give us the hope that we need to not only walk in anticipation of an answer that will come to us one day, but to recognize and realize that even now in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our darkness, that there is hope and that we can trust in you and we can believe and that all things can be possible for us. So today, Lord, I pray that you will help me to preach effectively, that you will help me to say the things that you've laid upon my heart, and that those things, those words will come to your people. And by faith, they will receive them, accept them, and put them to use in their lives. We ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Would you look at your neighbor and say, I have hope today. How about you? I have hope. Amen. I have hope. Now, we're going to look at several different things, but we talk about this idea of hope and how that hope is really the first thing that comes to us from Christ. It, it's one of the things that we hold on to. It's the rope, if you will, that has knots tied in it that we grab a hold of and hold to. Because when it looks like that we're about to slip off of the rope, and fall to our death, if you will, we are able to grab a hold of those knots in the rope and realize that if we can hang on, God has provided a way for us to be saved. God has provided a way <clears throat> for us to be overcomers. So we begin with this idea of hope. Now today I want to talk about three different things. The first is that hope in Christ gets you through delays, gets you through delays. How many of you know that in this life there are times that we're going to have to wait on the manifestation of God's answer in our lives? There are times that we're going to have to wait, just sit back, 
and make sure that we hang on through the delays and know that eventually the answer that we're looking for is going to come. Now, this idea of waiting and delays has been with us from the very beginning of time. After the fall of Adam and Eve, mankind needed hope. Because the enemy had told Adam and Eve that God has lied to you. God has said that you can't eat this tree, eat of this tree that's in the garden, or you will die. And that's a lie. You will not surely die. But of course, they were thinking in terms of their flesh. God was thinking in terms of their spirituality. And surely when they ate of the, the tree of the, the fruit of the tree, they died spiritually. God stepped in and he had to do something that was very, very difficult to do. He had to bring a penalty of sin upon Adam and upon Eve, and then he cursed the serpent as well. In fact, he said to Adam, he said, because of your sin, you're going to have to labor with your hands for the rest of your life and it will bring sweat to your brow. He turned to Eve and he said to her, because of the sin that you have committed and the disobedience of your heart, then you will experience great pain in childbirth. And then he moved them out of the Garden of Eden and he put a, a, a sword, a flaming sword, so that they could not enter in. But then he turned to the serpent and here's what he said to the serpent in Genesis chapter 2, verse, uh, chapter 3, excuse me, verse 15. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, we think about this in terms of Adam and Eve, but really this was a prophetic statement that God was making because he was talking about a day when a Savior would come. You say, well, wasn't that early in the game to start talking about a Savior, to start talking about someone who could redeem? No, what you have to understand is that the Godhead had already discussed this even before creation. From the beginning of the time, uh, Jesus was known as the, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. In other words, God knew from the very beginning that man would sin. And God knew from the very beginning that Lucifer would fall and that he would create a, a chaos upon the earth. And so Jesus was selected to be the lamb who would be slain from the very foundations of the earth. And he told Satan, he told the serpent, he said, there will come a day, there will come a day when he will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What does that mean? The best that Satan can do is nip at your heels. That's the very best that he can do. He can come and he can like a little chihuahua. He can nip at your, your heels and aggravate you and irritate you. But the Spirit of the Lord said in those days that the Savior is going to crush your head. Let me tell you today, when Satan is nipping at your heels, you need to realize that Jesus Christ has given you the power and the authority to stomp his head into the ground and overcome him 
through the blood of Jesus Christ. So from the very beginning, Jesus, God, began laying this foundation of hope. And then he speaks to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And he said, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and whom who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So he says to Abraham, I'm going to put a special anointing upon you that is going to cause your family to grow and be blessed because I'm going to bless it. And the enemy will try to come against you and put cursings upon you, but I'm here to tell you whoever curses you is going to be cursed by my hand, but I will bless you. Let me tell you, that hasn't changed. God is still in the blessing and the cursing business. He will curse those that come against the body of Christ and those who come against uh, what work God is doing in this earth. But for those of us who are in Christ, oh, there's blessing abundant for us. The Bible says that the enemy came to kill and to steal and destroy, but he said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Aren't you glad that there's blessing available for the people of God? And then he speaks this prophecy through Isaiah in chapter 7 and verse 14. He says, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means. It means that God is with us. Amen. I'm glad to know that he is with us. And I'm glad to know that regardless of what the world says, uh, that he came through a virgin. His birth was supernatural in nature. It could not come any other way. So when the world starts trying to tell you that it's impossible for someone to be born uh, through a virgin, you can say that would be true if all we could depend upon uh, is what flesh can provide. But when we depend upon what God can provide, then all things are possible. He came into this earth through a virgin. So listen, here's what we learn from this. What we learn is, is that there are times in our life we're going to have to wait. There are times in our lives when God says, you just need to be patient there are times when delay will bring us to a place where we wonder if God is ever going to hear and whether or not God is ever going to do what needs to be done. But listen, my child, I want you to understand today that there's never a good time to give up because the minute that you give up could be the very minute that God was getting ready to release resources into your life and bring the answer that you needed and that you've been waiting on for so long. So get, don't give up, but keep, keep hope in your heart. Secondly, I want to talk to you about how that hope in Christ helps you go the distance. Can I tell you that there are times that it would be easier just to give up? There, it, would, it would be easier just to say, well, it's just not going to happen. 
It would be easier to start doubting whether or not God really spoke that promise to you or not. And so since it hasn't manifested, then I'm just going to give up and seek something else. Because it's easier than waiting. It's easier than the delay. Now, I know that we've got UK fans here and we've got U of L fans here. You know, I, you knew I was going to bring it up. And you know that I, I root for both teams. I, I, you, you've been telling me for 11 years that I can't do that, but I do it anyway. Because you can't tell me what to do. Amen. So I'm watching the game last night, and I said all along, I said several weeks ago to some of you guys, I said, I think this will be Kentucky's year. They just seem to be stronger. They seem to have a, a, a different attitude, a different confidence than L does. But I did think that L would at least stay close. I didn't know that they were going to stay in the locker room and not come out on the field and actually play the game. So as we started moving through the game, I started thinking, well, you know, it's about time for U of L to put their big boy pants on and start doing something different than what they're doing right now. And then it was 24 to 7, and then it was more, and then it was more. And I have to be honest with you, there came a point in the game where I said, it's over. It's done. There's not a chance in the world. In fact, this will tell you what a doubter I am. When Cunningham went down with a, with, with, for one play, his, his thumb was hurt. They put him out of the game, and the other guy came in. Conley, is it Conley? Came in, got the ball, went down the field, and I thought, hey, hey, maybe things are, things are looking up. And then they took him out after one play, and then we're back to the same stuff. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing any players. I'm just saying that there came a time when it was like, there's no hope at all. There's no hope at all. There's no hope at all. But I watched the game all the way to the end. I didn't care who won. I just wanted a good game. I still feel that way. So I come to church this morning. And one of you UK fans, you know, you, you, you're rubbing it in. And one of the U of L guys standing there, and I, he said, you know, they're just, I said, you know, I, I knew there was just no hope at this point. There's just no hope. And that guy looked at me, and he smiled real big, and I love this. He said, there's always next year. <laughs> and I thought, man, I need to find a way to work that into my sermon. Because sometimes we get to a place in life where we say there's just no hope. There's just no way. There's no way I can lick this sickness. There's no way I can overcome this disease. There's no way my family can be brought back together. There's no way that my son or my daughter can be saved and brought back from the sin that they're living in. There's no way that I'm ever going to be blessed again. There's no possible way. But I'm telling you, God is looking for a group of people who will look at their circumstances and say, there is always hope in Christ Jesus. Hope in Christ helps you go the distance. Now, the way this is illustrated in Scripture is by a group that we like to refer to as the Magi. You know who they are. 
They're the three wise men. They came much later. They weren't there at, at, the, um, at, at the manger. It, it was probably, most theologians think it was at least two or three years before they ever showed up. But they did eventually get there. You know, we set out our little, um, our, our, what do you call it, the nativity yesterday. She was telling me, she said, do you know how many years we've had this? And I'm thinking, 150 years we've had this thing. She said, it's been over 30 years that we've had that. I know that it's important because when she puts it away in the box, she puts a little note on it that says, I have had this for over 30 years. Now, I'm a smart man. I know what that means. That means if you break this, I will break you. So you should make sure that it is in a safe place and packed right. A few years ago when Jovi was just a little one, she didn't like the nativity the way that it was set up. And so she came by and she had some little miniatures. And she had a Mickey Mouse and a Minnie Mouse. And she put little Mickey and Minnie right by the manger where Jesus lay right at the feet of Mary and Joseph. We snapped a picture of it. So as we started to put it up and she was putting all the pieces in place, I looked and I said, it looks good. But I have to tell you, I liked it a whole lot better when Mickey and Minnie were in, the, in, in there as well. You say, we were putting this out. But, you know, it's always funny to me. All the nativity scene have these magi. They have the, the, the wise men off to, to the side. But they weren't there in the manger. It took them two or three years to get there. But they had hope. They had been told through all of the writings that, that there was coming a Messiah and that he would show up. And that we, he, when, when he came, that he would change the world. In Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 3, it says, And nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What I want to focus on is not the prophecies that the sun would come and the light shining and the gospel going to all the nations, but what I want to talk to you about and share with you is that these wise men went the distance. They paid the price to get into the presence of Jesus Christ. I mean, they traveled a long way. Many historians say that they went at least a thousand miles uh, on camel and on feet by foot in order to get to where the star was shining. I don't know. There are people that won't even drive down the street to go to church these days so that to get into the presence of the Lord, to, to get the spiritual learning that they need. But those guys, they held on. Those guys went the distance. Those guys knew that if we're going to see this Savior, we're going to have to go the distance. We're going to have to give our all. We're going to have to sacrifice. We're going to have to walk in the hot sand and ride these stinking camels and take care of them and feed them and water them. And it may take us a while to get there, but we are not going to give up. Let me tell you, church, don't you dare give up. Keep going the distance. Because if you will go the distance, if you will put forth the effort, then God will bring to you the answer that you have need of. In Matthew chapter 2, 
verses 1 and 2. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. These guys shouldn't have even been thinking about worshiping Jesus. They were from an entirely different culture. They were from a different mindset, but they came to worship Jesus. Listen, did you know that it doesn't matter what walk of life that you're from, that it doesn't matter where you were born, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you're black or white, if you're some other nationality, if you're male or female, if you're Jew or Gentile, the only thing that matters is that you seek out this Jesus uh, who is drawing you to himself uh, and that you fall at his feet and you worship him and realize that he is everything that you'll ever need in this life. You got to go the distance. You got to go the distance. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17 says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab, and break down all the sons of Sheth. In other words, <clears throat> when the star rose, it was a prophetic signal to them that Jesus has broken in to our lives. I don't know about you. I don't know if you remember the day that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. I remember. I was raised in the church. I was up and down and in and out in all kinds of ways that you can imagine. But I remember just as clear as day when I knelt at an altar in Fresno, California, and I said, Lord, I've played games with you all of these years. I've done all these things. I've been all these ways. But as of today, I have made up my mind that I'm going to seek you and find you and walk with you for the remainder of my days. And I'm not a perfect individual, and neither are you. But I want you to know that from that day till the this. I have gone the distance. I have decided that I am going to follow Jesus uh, every moment of every day of my life. And I am going to win the victory because of him. I'm going to be an overcomer because of who he is in me. I'm not going to be defeated by the hand of the enemy. I'm not going to walk in cursing, but I'm going to walk in blessing because of who he is. Go the distance. Paul in the New Testament writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory Beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, in other words, they're passing away, but the things that are unseen are eternal. 
Listen, if you turn on CBS or NBC or CNN or Fox News or whoever, they are not going to push hope toward you. They're not going to push a message of hope. Even this week, I mean, instead of some hope and let's hold on, this thing is almost over. Panic is rising again in the United States. We're telling people that we can't come in. Why? Because there's a new variant. There's something new that is coming down the pipe that we're not ready for, that we can't fix. Our vaccines won't help. Our medicines won't help. Our doctors can't help. It's on the way. It's coming. We've got to shut down our airports. It won't be many days before you'll hear them starting to shut down our businesses and our schools and all of that. But listen, our hope is not in the government. Our hope is not in what the doctors say. Our hope is is in Jesus Christ. He is the healer of our land, and he will come through for us. We've got to trust in him. Sometimes we just got to turn it off. Sometimes we need to just stop talking about it. Listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not naive. I know what we've been facing for two years. I was telling someone earlier, I have a very good friend of mine who is, they're having his visitation today and his funeral tomorrow. He suffered with COVID for eight and a half months and finally gave up the fight and passed. But you know what? As sad as I am that he is gone, as sad as I am that he had to go through that, I am even happier because I know that he was a child of God. He is a child of God. And he is not dead in his sins, but he is alive in Christ Jesus and absent from a body, but he is present with the Lord. Amen. So I'm not naive. I know what's going on. I know what's going on in our nation. <clears throat> I know what's going on with the violence and all that kind of thing. I know what's going on with the politicians. Uh, and if all I ever do is just sit around and think about and listen to what they have to say and others have to say, then I would get discouraged uh, and depressed and feel like throwing in the towel because there is no hope for the righteous. But I want you to know uh, that Paul said we do not lose heart amen we've got to keep our faith in Christ Jesus we're not looking for the things that are seen we're not looking for that we're looking for what is unseen because God has blessings for us that we can't even picture in our brain. Listen, if the only thing that you ever can ever receive into your life is what you can picture in your, your mind, then you're not going to be very blessed. But if you can start saying, Lord, I don't know how, and I don't know when, and I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know this. You promised that you'd see me through. You promised that even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid because you will will be with me. So I trust you. And then one final point this morning. When you have hope in Christ, it will not disappoint you. Romans chapter 5, verses 4 and 5 says, and endurance develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. This hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts 
with his love. Have you ever been disappointed with God? Have you ever in your thought process said, you know, God, you really disappointed me. You really let me down this time. You know, maybe in a moment of weakness you felt that. Maybe in a moment of weakness you've thought, you know, I really thought that this was going to happen or that was going to happen. I was convinced of it, God. How now am I in a position where I have not realized that promise that you made to me? I laid my hands on them and prayed for them, my kids, when they were growing up. I taught them. I raised them up in the way that they should go. And now here they are living all kinds of ways, living all kinds of lifestyles. I'm disappointed, God. But listen. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Because you don't know who God will send, who will intersect into the life of your loved one. And because of their testimony and their faith, see them change and make a total difference in the way that they live. That's what happened with me in California. I went out there because I thought it would be the grandest party on earth. You know what people think about California. Only crazy people live there, right? I mean, you can do anything you want to do, however you want to do it. You know, it's just easy to live there. No problem. That's what I thought. Little farm boy in southern Illinois. And I thought California has got to be the grandest party on the face of the earth. And I'm going there. And I'll get away from God. And I'll do whatever I want to do, however I want to do it, whenever I want to do it, in whatever way I want to do it. And if I get to the place where I can't pay for it, I'll find somebody to pay for it for me. I was just going to have the time of my life. But you know what I did not take into consideration? Is that God had his hand upon my life. And he had already sent people to California before I ever got there that were there to minister the love of Christ to me. I thought I was getting away from all those weird Christian people. I thought, man, I'm going to get away from that. I don't even know if I like that. You know, it's it's not necessary to act that way. I don't believe Scripture really means that. I tell you what I think. I think that it says that, but it doesn't mean that. It's got to have different meaning than that. Can I just say something that I don't normally say, say from the pulpit? Bull-loney. What this book says, I had some of you. What this book says, it means. What this book says is true. If God said it, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, it's going to come to pass. You'd be better off if you believed it. Because if God said it, he's going to bring it to pass. Don't you ever give up on the word of God because the the promises of God are yes and amen. Not no and maybe. Yes and amen. And I'm telling you, if you'll keep holding on, if you'll go the distance, if you'll walk through the delay with the help of Jesus Christ, the spirit of God that is in you, there will come a day in your life when you will not be disappointed. Because what God says will not disappoint. 
Come help me stop if you will. Let's walk through this. God did not disappoint Joseph and Mary. Luke chapter 2 verses 4 through 7 says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came. You see those words? The time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. You know all the historical facts of how this happens and comes down, but I want you to notice those words, the time came. Can I tell you that for you today, there's going to come a time when there's a transition that takes place in your life and your circumstance because the hand of God is active in your life, but you've got to hold on and you've got to trust and you have to believe. God didn't disappoint Simeon. Luke chapter 2 verses 25 through 32 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. And he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Notice what he says. He said, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace. What does that mean? It means that Simeon is getting ready to die. He's getting ready to leave this earth. He's been waiting all these years for the promise of God. But God said, I'm not going to let you die until you see the salvation of my hand. When they brought Jesus and put him in his hands, uh, Simeon knew that he wouldn't be around much longer. But in his death, he would see the promise of the Lord God. Listen, I want you to know, I wish I could tell you that God's going to snap his fingers and do for you what you are expecting and hoping for in your life. But it may not come that way. But God will not let you leave this earth without seeing the promise of God that he has made to you. He may not do it today, and he may not do it tomorrow. It might not be next year, and it might not be the next decade. But let's, listen to me. If you will hold on and trust God and believe that his promises are yes and amen, and for you it may be in your dying breath, but Jesus will come and he will provide for you the promise that you have held on to. My friend Tony, that they're going to be burying tomorrow, has been on Facebook now for weeks and weeks and weeks, pleading not only with God, but for family and friends to continue to pray. 
And he would always say, I believe in the promises of God for my healing. I believe that no matter what the doctors say, that he is able to heal my body and I'm trusting him for my healing. And when they took him into the hospital for the last time, he appealed again, please pray that the promises of God concerning my healing will be manifested in my life. And a few hours later, we received word that after eight and a half months of battling COVID, he died in the intensive care unit in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You see, see, Pastor, God didn't do what God had promised. He didn't heal his body. He cried out for healing. He cried out for God to be faithful. He claimed the promises of God that declare, by your stripes, I'm healed. God didn't do it, so it erases all the promises of God because I've heard preachers say, and I've heard you, pastors, say that if God ever fails on his word one time, he's not a little liar, but he's an absolute liar because he cannot lie. He is not able to lie. So if my friend Tony passed this last week, was it his fault? Did he not have enough faith? Did he not say the right words? Did he not believe right? Did he mistake what Scripture says? Because he died. He died. So either God failed Tony failed. Well, see, if you believe that, your faith is on a child-like informational scale because you don't know all that God has promised. Because the Word of God says it is appointed unto men once to die. Then comes judgment. Listen, we're all going to die. So man, I'm ready to go home. I'm sick of listening to you today. You ain't bringing no hope to me. Oh, but you don't understand the full promises of God. Do we really want to live in this world forever? Do we really want to stay in a place that is going, as, the, as my old, old, old timers in the church that I grew up in, they said, this earth, this world, is going to hell in a handbasket. Is that how we want to live? Or do we want to lift our eyes a little bit higher and say that the Lord has prepared a place for us to go? It is so much different than this world that we live in today. I've talked to Tony, I don't know how many times through the years, and we've talked about growing up in Illinois and going to Church of God youth camps and going to Winterfest and and experiencing life together. And it hit me so hard when I heard the news. Tony had passed. He's maybe a year or two older than I am. So that means he's a young man, right? Say amen. But he's gone from this earth. You see, I understand the fullness of the promises of God 
And I understand that none of us are going to live on this earth throughout eternity. No. No, we're going to be healed. We're going to die. And we're going to spend eternity with Christ Jesus. And on this day, Tony would never say, God failed me. I asked him to heal me. God failed me. His wife, Joy, would never say, God failed us. Because they know the fullness of the promises of God. And that's where their hope was and is today. Let me tell you today, if you get discouraged and down and out and frustrated with God, it's because you don't understand the fullness of the promises of God. But I'm here to remind you, God will never fail you. His promises are always true. Tony is not suffering today. His lungs are not shutting down. He's not having to wear air masks on his face in order to breathe. He is not in pain today. Why do I know that? Because he laid off that earthly body that was temporary in the first place uh, and he has put on uh, the new body that God through Christ has given him. He's walking on streets of gold. To be absent from that body is to be present with the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Pastor, it sounds like you want to die. I didn't say that. I want to be around here as, God, as long as God wants me to be here. He already knows how long I'm going to be here. Bible tells me that he knew the numbers of my days before they were even formed, before I was born. God already knows how long I'm going to live. So what I'm saying to you today is, is that even in the midst of all the junk that's going on in this world, listen, friend, don't get discouraged. Some of you have recently lost loved ones as well, like I have. Friends, family members, if they are in Christ, they are happier than they've ever been in their lives. Because the promise of healing is theirs. Romans chapter 8, verses 23 through 25. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of His sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We wait for it. And then in chapter 10, verse 11, it says, For the scripture says, Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. God will never let you down. God will never disappoint you. He will always come through. The other day, Donna started on Thanksgiving dinner. We had a turkey. We had ham. We had dressing. 
We had the gravy to go on it, mashed potatoes. And then she started on the part that I like, the desserts. She made a pumpkin pie. I'm not a big lover of pumpkin pie. I can eat it. It's okay. It's not my favorite. But boy, when she started making that carrot cake, I'm telling you, I felt the Holy Ghost in the house. And then she made some of that cherry delight pie. You know, it's got the creamy base to it and then cherries on top and graham crackers underneath and all that. Then she made some kind of a Boston cream thingy that was out of this world good. She told me, like she always does, stay out of it. She didn't say this is not for you, but she didn't tell me it was for me. She said, this is for the family. What, am I not family? Because of me, we have this family. I've learned that I have to sneak a blessing here and there. You know what I'm saying? I have to sneak in there. When she's not looking, you open up the refrigerator and you look in there and you reach in there and you get a piece of that ham and you pull it out and say, glory, hallelujah. But because you're in a hurry, because you have to eat it before she finds out, you have to stuff the whole piece of ham in your mouth at one time. Do you know the worst part for me about waiting or, or about Thanksgiving and holidays? It's waiting. It's knowing that the table is set. The food is ready. It's warm. The, the, the desserts are ready to go. And we're just waiting for some family member to hurry up and get there. And it's like, we can't eat until they get here. And we start texting. We start going, where are you? What time are you coming? You know, are you, both of them, they said, we're on our way. We're on our way. We're on our way. I go, yeah, but you're not here. And because you're not here, I cannot partake. It's the waiting. But oh my, when the prayer is said and the thanks is given and the plates start moving, it's hallelujah time. God blessed us abundantly with family and food this year. And I pray that he blessed you as well. But listen, there are some of you today that there are other things going on in your life that's almost causing you to give up and lose hope. Let my, let my voice remind you today, this is not a time to give up. You may need to shut off some voices that are speaking nonsense into your life. But listen, there is one person, one individual, one, one, one divine spirit that is speaking hope to us today. The Spirit of God. God with us. Will you stand with me this morning? Take just a moment and let them sing this little song that they're playing. And while they're, while they're singing and playing it, would you just focus your attention upon God? See if you can identify that he is in your life today. Come on, sing for us if you will. You're the one who walked on water and you calm the raging seas. You command the highest. 
praying? Doesn't it give you hope? Not only for the future, but do you feel hope rising up in your soul? I feel it. So, yeah, we don't live by feelings. No, I don't. I'm not saying that you have to conjure up a feeling of hope because hope responds to faith. When we believe, when we trust God, then hope begins to rise in our soul. I tell you, God's never been defeated yet. Well, let me re-say that. Let me say that again. I didn't like the way that came out. I made myself stop saying that years ago. I'm not going to start again now. You've got to leave that yet off because that leaves open the idea that he might fail. Listen, he's never going to fail. God has never been defeated. Never been defeated. Never been defeated. So what are you facing today? Are you here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? If that's you, can I tell you that it is such a simple thing for you to trust in Jesus. The Bible says that all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that He is who this Bible teaches that He is. He is the Savior of the world. I, I, you might be thinking about Buddha and Muhammad and all of that. Listen, the Bible also teaches that there's only one way. There's only one name given among men whereby men must be saved. That name is Jesus. And so if you're here today and you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, let me encourage you to do so. I'm going to pray. And if you want to just right where you are, just pray this little prayer with me. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be loud. You can just whisper and say this. Lord, I believe that you are who you say you are. And with my mouth, I confess it to be truth. So I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, to come into my life and make me a new creation. And I thank you now for doing that in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer, can I just see your hand real quickly? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's amazing to me how that every time someone makes that commitment to Christ, this kind of response happens. People begin to clap their hands and ah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Did you know that the very same thing happens in heaven when the angels begin to rejoice over one soul that was lost but comes to Christ? How many of you need healing in your body this morning? Dealing with something? You know that you need God to heal you today. Yeah, a lot of hands. Pray with me right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you on behalf of these who have lifted their hands. Need healing in their body, Lord. I'm thankful that you were able to heal. And that you were able, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how difficult that it is. By your stripes, we are healed. You are able, Lord. 
And Lord, I've come to believe through the years that there are several ways that you can manifest healing in our bodies. You can divinely heal us. And in a moment's time, in a second, you can speak a word of healing and our bodies respond and are made whole and are healed. I believe you still do that these days. I still believe that you are able to do that, that by your stripes we are healed. I also believe that you've given us many tools, Lord, that we can use and that our bodies can be strengthened and made whole because of medicines and because of procedures and things like that. There are people who don't believe that way, but I believe it all comes from your hand, Lord. I believe that you've made it possible for us to use tools that you've provided that will bring and produce healing in our bodies. So, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, I know you're able to do that. And, Lord, I also believe that when your children die, life eternal begins and we are healed and whole in the presence of Christ. So for all those, Lord, this morning that raised their hands saying, I need healing in my body, but I pray that you'll heal them. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you will give them hope and help them to believe and understand that they can trust you. They can trust you. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. I have one more, one more that I want to ask you about today. And you don't have to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to do that. I'm more convinced than I have ever been in my lifetime that the enemy is doing everything he can to tear families absolutely apart. I saw a picture of a turkey the other day that had the bone in it and it had been picked all the way down to the bone. It looked like total devastation. It came to my mind. That represents a lot of families, a lot of people that I know. Their families have just been picked at by the enemy and picked at and picked at and picked at until it almost seems like there's no meat left on the bone. Let me tell you something. God can do all things. He can heal families. You say, oh, you don't understand how dysfunctional my family is. Hey, listen, God's seen it all. And he is able to heal. He is able to bring lost souls, lost families, lost children, grandchildren. So I used to think that being a parent when the kids are real little is the hardest time. But I've come to realize that as your kids get older, they become teenagers and adults. It's more difficult in these days to lead those children than ever when all you had to do was just change a diaper. Can I tell you that God can still be God even in the most difficult seasons of your life? And He is able to bring your children back. Holidays produce a wonderful opportunity for us to get together with families and love them with the love of Christ and ultimately see them come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and then heal the dysfunction of the family. How many of you believe that's true today? Will you hope that with me? Will you hope that as we go into the new year in January, that we'll be able to look back on the month of December and say, my family, 
that was in such a mess. It's coming back together. God is doing what I've been praying for. God is bringing our dysfunction into order. I'm so thankful for him. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name right now, I thank you. You know, I'm reminded, Lord, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is family. You represent what all families really should look like. And Lord, I believe that you are able to give us that same ability and promise that our dysfunction can be transformed into positive function so that you might get glory in our lives and in our families. I'm praying for every great-grandparent, every grandparent, every parent, every child, regardless of their age, that you would do a work of healing in their soul and that you would demand that the enemy take his hands off of our families in Jesus' name. You said to Abraham, you would curse those who curse the blessed. And Lord, the enemy is already cursed before us. And I pray that you bring that cursing in the enemies so that we can be fully blessed. And I pray that blessing will flow to your people and healing and restoration to our homes and to our families. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Miss Donna, can you play O Come Let Us?